You're listening to the Mining for Mayhem podcast, and you can find me, the phenomenal one, AJ, over at Backseat Bookers. Too sweet. Hey everyone and welcome back to Mining for Mayhem. Now this weekend we are here under some interesting circumstances. It's been an interesting week and early today when we were talking about um, this particular conversation tonight, we were talking about um, do we want to do this in kayfabe or real life and I'm like normally I wouldn't care. I'm easy going either way but I said for this interview let's do it in real life because I think everyone needs to remember wrestlers are real people too so we're going to get to know behind the character itself and today i've got from the local promotion the qwa or the queensland wrestling association we've got trent o'day trent how's it going buddy good mate thanks for having me how are you i'm having an absolute ball thanks for making the time out no that's all right no thank you very much just a, a little correction in there. We're the Queensland Wrestling Alliance, not association. But, oh, I knew I was getting that wrong. Uh, it's all right. It, it, people, a lot of people do it because they don't necessarily think alliance when you think yeah. of wrestling. So they I always, they always go for association. It's the safe word. So. Yeah. Well, I, I remember seeing alliance. I'm like, okay, I've got to remember that. I've been saying association. And in my head, I had alliance. Uh, old habits. Too easy. We'll get there. But yeah, Queensland Wrestling Alliance. But uh, Absolutely. And... So tell us about your character itself. Uh, well, the character, I guess, if you're after sort of like the the into the business terms sort of things, I guess the character itself is is constantly evolving. And it's, I mean, I've only been wrestling in the business for about three. Oh God, it'll be on in three years now, four years almost. So the character itself has kind of um, developed a little bit over the years. Currently working as a heel. Um, so if anyone's listening, doesn't want to heal is it's the bad guy. It's the one that wants to get booed all the time. So, um, currently working as a heel, um, it's basically just your stock standard heel stuff. So it's, uh, getting booed, getting snarky, getting arrogant, getting cocky. And, and it's sort of, de- it evolved from the plucky underdog baby face when I started, nah, baby face is the good guy, uh, evolved from the baby face and then, uh, ran a little bit of an angle where I was competing for the tag belts and it sort of took over from there. Um, and once I got the tag belts in January 2019, um, we sort of ran an angle where it turned and, you know, my character really got all sort of up himself and, you know, turned on the fans and that. And then I've just been working as the bad guy ever since. And, yeah, it's it's fun. It's easy work. It's It's good reactions. It's, yeah, it's... It's what I've uh, what I've been wanting to do for a little while. I've always wanted to sort of get that that vitriolic reaction from people. Yeah, and you mentioned you were the uh, former tag team champion last year. You were are actually the current and only QWA middleweight champion at the moment, which you won the <laughs> title last year at the Christmas special. 
Yeah, man. Yeah. So won the so yeah, current and only uh, undefeated. If you want to put that in there as well, <laughs> uh, middleweight champion won that in December. Um, won that in December in a ladder match against uh, a really good friend of mine, Seth Tyler's. Um, yeah, unfortunately, the end of the match probably didn't go the way I wanted it to, but I did end up getting up there and grabbing the belt. So got there in the end. Yeah, what does it mean to you to be the first champion? Um, means a lot, man. Um, means means heaps. I mean, depending on sort of what you know about wrestling and, and what you don't, there's there's a lot of sort of layers underneath it than just sort of like, oh yeah, here's a big shiny belt, go out and do your best with it. And I think a lot of people get that confused, and a lot of people don't really understand that there are layers underneath winning a championship that mean a lot more to the wrestler than getting it itself. The To put a belt on somebody in a company is to show that that company has faith in that person. Um, sort of like they've given you the uh, keys to the kingdom, essentially, and saying, look, we really believe in what you're doing. We think you can you know, draw numbers, draw crowds, sell tickets, and, and giving you that championship is sort of, sort of that reaffirmation that the company stands with you. So when... QWA thought about introducing a middleweight championship to the mix because we only ever had the tag belts and the unified championship before that or the heavyweight title. Um, when they talked about bringing it a uh, middleweight championship into the mix, I, um, you know, just kept my head down. I didn't really give myself any sort of uh, stock in the conversation. I just sort of went, well, I'll just keep my head, head down, keep working, keep, doing as best I can and and when the the owner comes to me and said look we're going to put the belt on you I you know it, it fills you with a lot of things but pride mostly to just know that the stuff that you do and, and the work that you put in it doesn't go unnoticed so to be the first ever champion to have that as your legacy I guess if that's how you want to big it up to have that as your legacy to go this is the first and you were the first and they put their faith in you at the start that means a lot to me and, and it's probably something I'll put up there with one of my proudest accomplishments yeah and it's a huge achievement as well to be the first ever champion so congratulations on that as well oh thank you very much <laughs> we were I was talking about um kayfabe earlier so what is kayfabe to you is it something that do you believe that kayfabe's dead in the industry or do you believe it still plays a big role oh look man it plays a huge role like and you know, I, there would be plenty of people in the business, I'm sure, that, w that will hear this interview and just go, you know, this Trent guy's an idiot. Like, he's he's breaking kayfabe. He's doing all this. And I think there's a fine balance that you need to tread when you talk about kayfabe and stuff. And when you talk about these sorts of things, I think you need to consider one of two things. Um, the first one being that the audience isn't stupid, okay? They're, they're not dumb. They're not... You know, it's not like it was 30, 40 years ago where everyone just believed that this was absolutely concrete and this was real life and this is what it was. I think the only people that should believe wrestling is real at this point in, the, at this point in time are children. And that's a large part of why getting move on to the second point, that kayfabe's not dead and, and the business isn't suffering, you know, in, in that sense. I mean, look, I think people are very well aware that, you know, we are entertainers more than anything else. We're there to entertain. 
And so, yes, we do put on characters and yes, we do go out there and, and, you know, aren't necessarily our true selves out there. Some of us are, and I'm sure that's the way they want to do it. And that's fine. But at the end of the day, you're entertaining. And if you want to keep kayfabe for the kids and you want to, you know, try and keep them as invested as much as possible, then by all means, go ahead and do that. And I think a lot of people still do that. I know for a fact that if a kid comes up to me and they say to me, you know, you're a bad person, you did this, I'm going to jump straight into character and be like, yeah, and so what? What are you going to do about it? I want to keep that alive for them for as long as possible. But at the end of the day, they're going to grow up and they're going to realize that we're entertainers and what we do isn't necessarily you know, exactly how we are. And the cycle will just keep going like that. And, and the, the true diehards of the business probably don't like admitting that. And they'd like to say, you know, you've got to be in kayfabe. You've got to be in character as much as you can. You know, you can't break kayfabe. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And that they're, they're the traditionalists. And I understand it. You know, it's an art form. And I'm not going to be the first one, what, four years into rag on the business. Like, I get it. But I think for a large portion of the people in the business now, they can work that fine line between it being real for a certain group of people and and you know you can still be people outside of it you know so as as terms of is it dead in the industry no is it changing is it different absolutely so who what made you want to um, become a wrestler where was it where you decided okay i'm gonna go make a career out of wrestling um see that's an interesting question because I think if you talk to a lot of people in wrestling, um, they'll give you, look, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, and I said I wouldn't swear, but uh, um, if they're going to, go for it. If they, if they, if they give you an answer, the answer is probably going to be bullshit. Right. And I could sit there and tell you that I've, I've wanted to be a wrestler ever since I was two years old. And I first saw Bret Hart lock up with the British bulldog, blah, blah, blah. And whatever. Right, and I could sit there and I could I could feed that narrative through to you, and it would be the same as everyone else. I didn't want to be a wrestler for a very long time. I I watched a bit of wrestling as a small kid, and then I watched a bit more wrestling. But to be honest with you, my brother was in wrestling before I ever was. My brother loved it. He used to watch everything on um, like Raw, SmackDown on like Ostar and Foxtel and whatever. Like he used to watch all of that. And I was just like, this is weird. Like, but I, I watched it. Cause and then eventually I sort of was like, this is entertaining. I enjoy this. I'll sit here and watch it. And then it was only what, six years ago, seven years ago when I really started to be like, okay, this is really cool. And I really started to understand, you know, what they did and why they did it. But I never even thought to myself then, this is something I want to do. This is just always, I thought, this is cool. I get it. You know, and then I was just, I stumbled upon QWA at a, a food truck show, which we do up here sometimes. And at that point, seeing it live, I was like, that's incredible. And that's exactly something that I could get into. And that's something that, that I would love to surround myself with. So you do the the classic, you mail, you message the page and you hope they message you back. And, you know, they said they were having an open day coming up. So walked in, tried out, the rest is history. Absolutely loved it. But 
you know, I was never into wrestling from a young age. It was just something that I kind of stumbled across and then fell in love with. So, um, yeah, I, I guess my story is probably not a lot like a lot of other people, but then I'd be surprised if a lot of other people in the business are telling you the truth when they give you that story. <laughs> the best way to be is unique. <laughs> it's always about standing out from the crowd. But you did mention that um, you watched a bit of wrestling growing up. Mm. What was your favorite parts about it? What got you into watching wrestling or who was your favorite wrestler? Characters. Yeah, characters. characters. That's it. It doesn't matter. The rest of it, I don't care. Right? Matches, I don't care. Blood, don't care. Chair shots, don't care. Right? Like, lots of things will get you into into wrestling, and I completely understand that. Moves, you know, psychology, all of that. Like, it can make you feel a range of emotions, and that is fine. And I can completely understand the people that go out there and just want to see people throw people around. I understand it. If you get into wrestling for whatever you get into wrestling for, good on you. It's work. That's why That's why it's such a multifaceted business, right? Because it, it gets people in from all different angles. The thing that got me in was characters. And the one character that I saw it and I was like, this is incredible, is the Boogeyman. Right? Terrible. Yeah. Terrible wrestler. If I'm being honest, like technically, like a lot of people would say he was not good. Gassed out in five, 10 minutes, probably wasn't the best technical worker in the world, but his character work was insane. The way he moves, the way he spoke, he was always in fame. He was always doing whatever he could to put over the Boogeyman character. And that sucked me right in his WrestleMania match against Booker and Charmel with, um, that eerie red fog over the whole thing and the way the commentators put it over insane. And at that point I was like, this is cool. He's cool. I want I only watched SmackDown for him. That's it. That's all I wanted to see was him. And then as you sit there and you wait for his segments, then you would like look at other characters around and then you start getting sucked into the classics. Then you start watching the John Cena's and the edge and the Randy Orton and the Christian and whatever else was going on. And then you get sucked into what they're doing. And all of a sudden you love the whole show. But if for me, it was always characters. If it was a good character with something unique, I was in right away. I love that answer. And I can totally relate as well about the character work. Cause I grew up as a, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I was over watching Raw. I grew up as a massive fan of the Hurricane. Yeah. Back in, I think it was 2004 when he was teaming with um, Rosie and Kane. Yeah. Uh, yeah there's yeah. another character, Kane. But the Hurricane was my hero growing up, ironically enough. Yeah. No, but that's the thing. Like, it sucks you in with characters like that. Like, with things that you don't see. Like, it's so outwardly bizarre you know, that you get sucked into those things and you just want to see what happens. You don't really care what everyone else is doing. You just want to see what that guy does. Mm. And, I mean, for me personally, it, on top of the um, hurricane itself, it had the wicked theme song, the um, unique costume stood out. Like, yeah. It was just the whole thing, like you said, the whole thing um, drew you in. Yeah, absolutely. Do you still watch much wrestling these days? Um, yes and no. Um, since the COVID stuff, definitely not. Um, I find that if you take an audience away from a wrestling crowd, um, I find it difficult to watch from an investment standpoint. 
Like I'll always watch wrestling for the simple fact of I just I want to get better and I want to see how these guys work. I want to see how they and I wanted to see how they adapt with no crowd because the crowd is such a large part of what we do. Interacting with them, get, gauging their reactions, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. So I did watch it a little bit during the COVID stuff to see how they adapted to that. But I definitely dropped off a little bit. Um, prior to that, I would say that I'd probably watch most pay-per-views um, and catch up on the week-to-week stuff through like highlight videos on YouTube. Yeah. I'd say that's about where I ended up. It's just kind of like, all right, if I was really invested in a story, I would try and find like the matches on YouTube and stuff and like keep up with that particular story until the pay-per-view. But week to week, just because like real jobs too, man. Like, you know, you've got oh, absolutely. all that I play and like the, the job that I do outside of wrestling. So like it was hard to keep up with it. But yeah, and the time zone difference like, as well. Pay-per-views and stuff. Because where Monday Night Raw for um, everyone over in America listening is I think it's 7 p.m. Monday night or 8 p.m. Monday night for them. Yeah. For us, it starts um, 10 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. Yeah. And I, I can never see it, you know, like it's, it's, I can never watch that unless I'm on school holidays or something. And even then the missus and I will be out doing stuff or, you know, we'll take the kids somewhere or we'll go walking about. Like it's, it's yeah, very rarely do I get the chance to watch it. Mm. That being said, like I do keep up with it in a sense of like, you know, if there's a really good match or something, I'll go out of my way to watch those things. If I'm completely honest with you, I'll watch local product a lot more than I watch um, sort of the big stuff because I want to see how we are doing from from a, from from the viewpoint of a fan. So sometimes yeah. I'll go ahead and Google CQWA matches or QWA matches, or I'll Google some stuff down in Brisbane, and I will just I'll watch local product and be like, right, how does QWA compare to MCW? How does QWA compare? to epw and then i'll sort of go back and i'll look and be like from the viewpoint of a fan what makes qwa watchable compared to other stuff so i would more focus on local product even than than the big ones which is what i think the rest of the world need to be doing because the talent in australia on the independent scenes is just phenomenal insane it's some of the most underrated wrestling in the world yeah yeah and it's only going to get bigger and when you've got people like, and I am a little bit biased at the moment because I'm currently doing a, an online super series seminar with EPW. So I'm getting um, online coached by Gavin McGavin, Davis Storm, uh, Damien Slater. Um, so, I mean, when you look at the, those, that quality of, of trainer going around that's willing to offer their services, you can only imagine what kind of stuff is going to happen in the next 10, 15 years when people who are trained by them start training. Like it's, it's going to blow up. It's going to be really, really, uh, really, really special to watch. And I mean, you look at some of the talents that have already come out of Australia. Like we've had absolutely ring of honor, um, earlier this year, signed Slex and Adam Brooks. You've got Rhea Ripley killing over in NXT body Murphy on raw. Yeah. Oh, we've got Tony Storm over in NXT UK. You've even got the Iconics, like, you know, a, a first, what, Aussie tag team champs? Yeah. Is that is that is that fair to say? Are they the first ones? 
I can't remember anyone who's won a tag championship in the E who were both Australian. Because I was going to say the Bushwhackers were New Zealand. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I have to fact check that. But even then, like they did so well. Um, and they, you know, and then like you said, Rhea Ripley, Tony Storm, like people are putting Australia on the map. And then you've got um, Gino Gambino over in New Japan. Yeah. Hell, you've got Daniel Vito. Oh, my God. Yes, Ex- Daniel Vito. How could I forget Daniel him? Vito over in the performance. I don't know what he's doing. I think he had his first televised match like three months ago or something. But even no, then... I was going to say maybe even three weeks ago now. He's it the Samoan ghost, I think, which is so cool. But anyway, we'll get into this. Let's not get right into his character work. But, I mean, like, that's awesome. Like, you've just... Yeah. You've got people everywhere. And way back when... I'd be hard-pressed to think of, what, pre-2005, it would be hard to think of 10 Australian wrestlers that come immediately to mind. I can think of one. i got Nathan Jones. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's it. That's it. I'm sure, like, more educated people would absolutely have a a feel of, of big Australian wrestlers, even outside the WWE or WWF, but... In term, like in terms now, you fast forward that I could easily name six or seven, and that's just without even thinking. Mm. So, how much effort goes into putting a show together? Like, what do you have to do outside of the actual show itself? Like, how many days would you, for instance, say, spend at a gym trying to keep fit for the show? How much work do you think goes into putting a show? Let's put it back on you. How much work do you think goes into putting together a show? You'd have to, personally, I think you'd have to be at the gym minimum three to four times a week. You'd be training on moves and skill sets almost on a daily basis, even if it's in the backyard on a trampoline or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, man. Look, you're not far off, actually, to be fair. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize the sort of, uh, the toll that it puts on your body when you're putting together shows. And and I'll I'll be the first to admit, like, we're monthly we got one show a month. There are companies down in Brisbane that run like two to three shows a week. Oh, wow. You know, like I'm sure that there are companies either going weekly or even doing like, you know, little booster shows every here and there. The, The effort that goes into putting together a show is insane because from month to month, we're consistently looking at, first of all, let's go from, okay, so let's say we've had a show yesterday. And we've got a show in a month's time. Straight away, you're looking at how much did we make? How much did we draw? Where are our numbers at? Is it down? Is it up? So you're doing the financial, the business side of things. What worked? What didn't work? Then you're looking at radio, moving forward. What storylines, matches? What have we got to put together? And then the booking team goes through. We've got these guys, these guys, these guys, these guys, and these guys. What are we promoting? What are we starting to do on Facebook? So then... Before you've even got into the physical side of things and what we have to do as performers, we're looking at, from a business standpoint, where are we looking to be in a month and how do we promote that? So once we've sorted out the business side of things, and that means getting posters made, graphics, match graphics, um, tickets printed, um, any special things like this, like if I have to do a podcast or if I have to do uh, a segment for the news, if I have to... Um, go on the radio, organize somebody to go on the radio to hype the show. When are we doing all of that? 
that's all the business side of things. And as a small independent company, it's not like we have a huge team of people to do that. Yeah. So we're doing that as a group of people. And then on top of that, then you've got the physical side of things. So like you said, I, I would go to the gym most weeks before, you know, on a regular training schedule and on a regular show cycle, I would go to the gym four to five times a week. And that's working on strength, conditioning, cardio, making sure I can get through a match without gassing out. And then on top of that, we've got training to make sure that I can keep myself safe, training to make sure that I keep the other guy safe, training to make sure that the referee knows what's going on, that the announcer knows what's going on, timing, um, making sure the show doesn't run two hours over or two hours under and that it goes exactly where we need it to. We have sessions upon sessions of promos, psychology. And then finally, after you've got all of that together, we're still a week out from the show, then we might have a chance to quickly run through a few ideas with the guy that we're working, if we're lucky. But then if you're flying someone in, for example, when we flew Damien Slater in from Perth, he, he got there on the day. So then, you know, and professionals will tell you, you don't always have two or three hours or even, you know, a day to put a match together. Sometimes you'll get given half an hour, 10 minutes. So it's just, yeah, sorry. And I for, completely forgot to mention on show day, there's no ring crew. For, some, for, a, for a company like us who is still in its infancy where we don't have 15 to 20 young boys, we don't have a ring crew or people who are volunteering their time to set up, we're there 10 a.m. in the morning at the venue, putting the ring up, screwing the ropes on, doing what we need to do. Then we perform, and then when everyone else is out leaving, drinking, having a good time at the bar, who's out there packing the whole thing up? We are doing it again. 11.30, 12 midnight, we're driving the stuff back to the dojo, putting it all in there, setting it back up, and then 12.30, 1 o'clock, we might have time to go out for a drink. So a real late-night drinking when it starts, pretty much. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> like, it's, it's a tough life, bro. It's, not, it's, uh, it's, it's a full commitment, is what I'll say. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, with your middleweight championship when you won that, it was in a ladder match. So how do you prepare yourself for something as intense as that, whether it be going through a table, falling off a ladder, getting hit in the head with a chair? How do you prepare yourself physically for that so you know what's coming? Physically, there's there's no way. Like, I, if I can say that to you just as – and this is, this is no bullshit. Like, I'm not going to sit here and try and, you know, hide it from you. If, if they're not gimmicked ladders. They're not gimmicked tables. They're not gimmicked chairs. It's real, right? All you can do, and I'm living testimony to this because I don't know if you saw the end of that ladder match or what happened to me at the end of that ladder match. If you haven't, I'm happy to tell you. Um, they're not gimmicked in any way, shape, or form. There is no way that you can fall onto a ladder uh and not have it hurt. Mm. There's no way you can get smashed with a chair and not have it hurt. All right. There are ways you can do it safely to a degree, but even then 
it's not a sense of physical preparedness. It's a sense of if you signed up to do this, this is what you have to do and you have to know how to do it safely. And so there is an aspect of physical preparation, but it's more in a sense of how do I land so this isn't going to completely mess up my spine? Because you know it's going to hurt. It's steel. It's got steps on it. It's not necessarily bouncy. It, you're done. It's going to hurt. But like I said, living testament to the fact that you can prepare for something for four weeks and one thing goes wrong and you, that's it. That's, that's what you've got. You, you, you've, you're done. Can you ever um, get used to or will you ever get used to foot crashing through a table? No, I don't think so. I think I think you end up figuring out how to make it hurt less, or I think you just end up losing that sense of fear factor mm. about doing it. But the pain's always the same. The pain is always just as painful as the first time you, you know, as the first time you did it. Yeah. So another thing I've asked around. Uh, um, when I interviewed another Australian wrestler was you've got your Japanese strong style, your Mexican Lucha Libre, American Greco wrestling. You've got your British strong style. Would you say there's a Australian style at all? Um, look, the way that wrestling is at the moment, um, there, everything's kind of being mixed in together. People are taking different elements from different, styles of teaching so um for example there's there's kind of the the sort of theory going around right now and being thrown around that you need to be prepared to wrestle anybody you need to be prepared to be able to do anything and in terms of an australian style i wouldn't necessarily know enough to confirm or deny that that's a case what i would say is that a lot of Australian wrestlers are very versatile in the styles that they can use. So a lot of Australian wrestlers may not necessarily class it as Australian style, but there are a lot of wrestlers out there I know that they can go lucha, they can go British strong style, they can go and use influences from Japan, Mexico, um, anywhere overseas. So I wouldn't like I said, I couldn't necessarily confirm or deny an Australian style. What I would say to you is that there are a lot of versatile Australian wrestlers out there. Have you got a dream opponent that you'd like to get in the ring with one day? Um, yes. Um, only because I... Only because... My injury, so the ladder match injury that I was talking about and what you can't be prepared for is essentially during that ladder match, if you haven't seen it, you can go on YouTube and check it out. Queensland Wrestling Alliance, search up Trent O'Day versus Seth Tyler's in a ladder match. If you go right to the end, you can see that um, Seth goes for a tope through the ropes. Um, basically, I th throw the ladder up into his face. Um, what you don't see on that video is that the ladder actually catches the top of my right middle finger in a little pinch point and basically scissors the whole thing off. Oh, right. That's... So, and then what you 
basically what happens is I lose the top of my finger or it crushes it and rips the, the top off. And then that match is actually only about 13 minutes long with entrances because I had to cut a whole lot of it out because I essentially just went in and finished the match at that point because that's just the way that you know wrestlers are trained is finish the match make sure that you know you don't let the fans send yourself down rah, 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 whatever sort of spin you want to put on it but anyway so that um that injury has to this day cost me what are we five months into the year five months of my wrestling career because i've never stepped foot in a ring to wrestle since january uh since december sorry um, so, but the original, back to your question, the original plan was for me to wrestle Damien Slater in January. And if you don't know who Damien Slater is, Damien Slater is an incredibly accomplished wrestler based down in Perth, wrestles for EPW at the moment. Um, you know, wrestled Tajiri in the Cruiserweight Classic. He's been all around Australia and, and, you know, a fair way around the world wrestling. And he was my biggest name that I was going to come up against. He was going to be my first real test at wrestling a proper icon in Australian wrestling. And that injury cost me that match. And and I was devastated because the match, he still came up and he wrestled um, EC Brownie and Sam Cannon. And it was an incredible match as it would be because all three of them are, are such highly accomplished and professional wrestlers. Um, but I missed that match because of the injury. And so all I now ever want to do is wrestle him to prove that I can go toe to toe with him. And, and that's, if you ask dream opponent, it's that because I had it snatched away from me. Yes. And hopefully we get to see that match soon and hopefully sooner rather than later with COVID around. Mm. It's thrown a spanner into the works with everything as well. Yeah, definitely. It's it came couldn't have come at a more inconvenient time for me, especially. It's so. How do you keep yourself busy during COVID? Is it a lot of Netflix going on? Uh, no, not not in my life. I tend not to dwell around a TV screen too much. I mean, I, I will admit I do enjoy a little Netflix uh, casual watching here and there, maybe at night time if it's if the weather's particularly miserable, but. Um, normally it's based around my profession. So my actual job that, that I do outside of wrestling and, um, I'll normally be working on that or I'll be at the gym or I'll be doing something, you know, relatively busybody Cause I, I can't tend to sit still for too long at the moment. Like I said, I'm part of the EPW super web series, which is awesome. It's wrestling based content three times a week. So that's taking up a lot of my time as well. And um, yeah, um, it makes it difficult, though, with gyms being closed at the moment, I'd assume. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, um, luckily, uh, I feel like I'm plugging people all around the shop here. <laughs> luckily, my, uh, the gym that I, I used to go to, PLC, um, have started an online program. And a lot of gyms did it. A lot of gyms went straight online and started sending out home workouts and stuff. Um, but... I've been lucky enough to be a part of a gym that sent out quite a comprehensive online workout. So I've been doing stuff with them, uh, which has really kept me fit. And on top of that, we've just grabbed a couple of little workout things from, from wrestling that I can do at home. That's mostly body weight stuff, but 
when the gyms open back up and and I look to get back to lifting up some heavy stuff, that'll that'll be the it'll be a very good day, put it that way. Yeah. Um All right, so let's get to know Trent, the person outside of the wrestler. Have sure. you got what's your favorite sort of meal to sit down and eat? Ooh, okay. Oh, I wasn't prepared for that question. All right. Favorite meal to sit down and eat. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a huge uh, meal guy in terms of like having a favorite, but my current partner is a vegan, uh, trying not to hold it against her because the food's really, really good. Um, so she makes a mean laksa, which is kind of like a, a soup sort of deal, and it's, it's really good. So if I had to say I wanted to sit down and eat that, let's go with a laksa made by my partner. Okay. So... The t- um, one of the normal questions that gets thrown around is um, with pizza and pineapple. Do you think it goes on pizza or is it <laughs> something that should go nowhere near a pizza? Um, I am of the firm opinion that pineapple does not go on pizza. Um, I then, know it uh, could be controversial in certain, in certain circles. I just, there's something about the sweetness and that watery, sort of crunch ah, that sort of just does not mesh well with a nice cheese and cheese and ham tomato base. It, it doesn't mesh well for me. Mm. So when everything's done with the wrestling at the end of the night and you end up getting to go to the pub and have a drink, what mm. do you like to drink? Uh, <laughs> okay. Once again, you are going to have to not try and hold this against me, but I am a... Not necessarily a pub guy, first of all. I'm still in my nightclub phase. I don't know if that ever goes away. I'm sure it will. Um, but I'm not necessarily a pub guy, more of a nightclub guy. And I can't go past a really good vodka sunrise. I can't do it. It's something about the sweetness and the orange juice and the and the stuff like that. It's a little bit weird, I know, but you know, I can't 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 deny who I am. I can't complain about that. I've got one called the backhanded panda. Ah, love a backhanded uh, backhanded panda. That's a Mackay favorite, actually. They do that um, out because uh, where is it? Moranbar. We're about two hours west of Mackay, yeah. and our local pub does a backhanded panda. And, oh, it is beautiful. They're really good. They're really really good. It's just a shame they're so expensive. Yeah, that's true. So I normally try and have two, and then I'll divert back into the into the vodka sunrise deals. Yeah, well, I mean, four or five years ago, they were, what, about $10 a drink. Now you're paying almost 18 bucks. I'm like, yeah. yeah no. Not for me. Not and for I'm, me. I'm not a huge drinker as it is, so and the <laughs> cheapskate. So I'll usually sit on the beer, but when the pubs reopen, I am going for a backhand of paddle. I don't care. <laughs> but, no, I'm really grateful you're able to make the time to come on Mining for Mayhem. I have actually feel like I've learned a lot about the local industry today, and hopefully everyone um, listening to it as well. And thank, once again, thanks for making the time. I had an absolute blast talking to you. No, thank you very much for having me. Um, at the end of the day, I'm, I think that you've got to support your locals, and whether it's one person that hears this or a thousand, like I feel like it's really important to get the um to get that local spirit going and sort of push that you know you don't need to follow all of the big companies all the time like you can there are local things around there are local attraction local people that really care about what you're doing yeah 
in the same vein, like the the wrestlers and the local wrestlers notice the local people that care. So, you know, the second that you were like, look, you know, I, I run a small podcast and, and I want to do some wrestling stuff. I'm always going to make that time because as far as I'm concerned, you've gone out of your way to, to, to support me and, and what I do and, and the company and what we do. So of course I'm going to go out of my way to support you. And then hopefully you've gained a listener and I've gained a fan and it's as easy as that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it means the world that you were able to make the time and hopefully when COVID's o- over um, next time you guys are in the local area, hopefully, even if it is a two hour drive away, I'm definitely going to try and find a way to get there again because I'd so look forward to it. Hell, even if off camera I can get in the um, ring and take a chop to the chest, I'm like, yeah, I'm down for that. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, if you're going to go and throw those words around, uh, I, I'm sure there's a couple of people that'll deal chops out. <laughs> I'm not one of them. Uh, I was watching Chris um, Chris Van Vliet and he had it done by um, Sean Spears and Tyler Breeze. I'm like, okay, I want to see what they put themselves through physically and understand the pain they go through. So maybe that's a decent way to start off. It's a good way to start, but I can tell you, there's, you'll take a lot worse things in a, in a ring than a chop, I can tell you that. Oh, yeah. Is there a particular move that you'd say hurts a lot, whether it be like, when you're lying on the ground and someone does a splash from the top rope or something? Um, oh, God. Okay. Uh, all right. If, if I can give you – it's not necessarily a move, but it's definitely something to keep in mind when you're taking moves is you always want to make sure that you tuck your chin because I have been more on more than one occasion very, very guilty of remaining a little bit loose, not really tucking the chin a whole lot, and I reckon I've probably got one or two undiagnosed concussions from both a spear and a power bomb that I probably should have taken a lot better. So definitely, yeah. If I had to give it a piece of advice, not necessarily a move, definitely tuck your chin. That's definitely some great advice. But hopefully one day, maybe in six months' time, when we're back into the world of wrestling, we can um, have you back on here. I'd absolutely love to have you back on one day. Yeah, I'd absolutely love to come back. It's best of luck um, getting that mat- match with Damien Slater. Hope, hopefully that all goes well. Once COVID's over, we get everything up and running again. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's, guys, um, do you, before we go, do you want to plug yourself? Tell everyone where they can find you and QWA? <laughs> uh, sure. If you would like to follow the Queensland Wrestling Alliance, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Queensland Wrestling Alliance um, and at... Actually, I think it's on both. They're, they're the same now. So Facebook and Instagram at Queensland Wrestling Alliance. If you would like to follow me, Trent O'Day, you can find me on both at uh, at Trent O'Day Q, QWA on Instagram and just search Trent O'Day on Facebook and you'll see me there. And you're also on Twitter as well. I am, but I'm sort of rejigging my Twitter at the moment. So I might have to send you through those details when I've got a bit more of a Twitter following happening. And then uh, I will definitely try and plug that a little bit more. Not much of a Twitter user, but I will get there. Yeah, I know um, QWA is on Twitter. They're at QWA Wrestling. Yes, so yes, they are. That's Definitely go follow them out as well. 100%. And you, you guys are on YouTube as well? Yes. If you'd like to watch any of our matches, go and search QWA Wrestling on YouTube. They are, All of our matches are there from, I think, 
two years ago. There's quite a comprehensive playlist of stuff on there. So um, go ahead, watch all of that. Go and find your favorite wrestler. All of our wrestlers are on Facebook and, and Instagram and stuff as well. So if you do find anyone you like, please go and follow them. Give them a shout out. Do whatever you need to do and get behind your local wrestling. And if someone did want to go buy some merchandise, where could they go there? Um, you can either message our pages directly and we can send you a link to somewhere to go. Or if you would like to just find a generic um, sort of place to go to and navigate your way around that, go to Redbubble, uh, which is our, our site we use to sell merch. So you can go to Redbubble and search for the QWA shop and you will see all wrestlers merch from Trent O'Day to Gabriel to Seth Tyler to Sam Cannon right the way down it and you can find whatever you like there they sell everything from shirts singlets boot bags whatever you like and i believe the website i was given as well was t-bar uh yeah sure i'm sure there's probably some stuff on there different wrestlers use different platforms i know that our universal uh shop that we use is redbubble but i'm probably also certain that there's some on there as well yeah, absolutely. And go support your local wrestling industries, especially during the COVID times. It's really important. 100%. Once, once again, thanks for coming on. Guys, stay safe. Be nice to each, um, each other. Look after yourselves. And we will see you all again next week. Bye, everyone.